Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. This week's program is entitled Separation of Church and State. Please welcome Reverend Thomas Perchlick. There's a tension in religion that can never be fully resolved. There's a tension between the letter and the spirit of the law, between the surface demands of a religion and the true quality of human nature it seeks to promote. I saw this tension once when a young woman came to my study in Texas saying that she was researching religion for her school assignment. She asked me what my church believed about God, and I told her many things, that some saw God as the creative power that forms and sustains all things, while others used the word to refer to a human fantasy created to help us relate to a vast and overwhelming universe. She seemed completely surprised that we could hold such diverse beliefs, and I asked her about her surprise. She said that in her tradition and experience, it was shared belief that bound a religious community. And when there was any disagreement on doctrine, a congregation could not hold together. For her, the spirit and the spirituality depended upon right doctrine. But as a UU minister, I am part of a congregation that is organized around a quality of human relationships, around general principles or goals rather than doctrines. More to the point, for some, the church is the embodiment of spirituality and must therefore be directly involved in good government. For others, it is only the character of people of a government's citizens, not the institutions and structures of religion, which will make a government good, which will make a nation last. There are those who believe that this nation, the United States of America, is founded upon Christian values. But if you define Christian values as doctrines of orthodox European Christianity, then this country was not founded on Christianity. Orthodoxy was decidedly in favor of monarchy at that time. Orthodox Christianity upheld the importance of tradition and divinely established authority. If you define Christian values in this narrow way, then the U.S. was not founded on Christian values, but on Enlightenment values. Our Constitution derives its authority from the government, and it places secular power in secular hands. Furthermore, many of the founding fathers were not simple orthodox religious men. George Washington was only a nominal Anglican, conventionally pious, except that he rarely stayed through a worship service even to take communion. President Thomas Jefferson denounces an atheist by some was a deist who avoided organized religion and produced his own version of the gospel free of miracles. John Adams, both the second and sixth presidents of the U.S., were Unitarians, holding beliefs that Trinitarians abhorred as heresy. In 1797, our nation, led by the first John Adams, made a treaty of peace and friendship with the Bay and subjects of Tripoli that asserted, as the government of the United States is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion, 
It has in itself no character of enmity against the laws, religion, or tranquility of what we would call today Muslims. Many other founders of this country were only nominally religious. Some were deeply pious. Many would have assented to Voltaire's insight of the unity of truth that there are no sects in geometry. One does not speak of a Euclidean and Archimedean. Wherever truth is evidence, it is impossible for parties and factions to arise. The founding fathers of our country were leaders partially because they did not fit the conventions of the overwhelming majority of Americans. Thus, when our Constitution came out, many were shocked at how non-religious it was. Now, this was deeply troubling to people who believed in a unifying power of doctrine and who had fought each other over who had the most right doctrine or the most correct ecclesiology. Where the Constitution remained silent, many state constitutions tried to speak loudly, They tried to keep to the national standard, but were really rather unclear on the concept. As late as 1790, the state of Pennsylvania provided that no person could be disqualified from public office on account of any religious belief as long as he acknowledged the being of a god in a future state of rewards and punishments. A self-contradictory statement. Likewise, most understood the value of not dividing political power between religions, for example, of Baptists and Anglicans. But what about infidels? In the ratification process in New Hampshire, one spokesman opposed the Constitution on the grounds that a Turk, a Jew, a Roman Catholic, and what is worse than all, a Universalist might be president of the United States. Average Americans knew they did not want to be ruled by a religion other than their own, but they had not struggled with this wish as did those at the Constitutional Convention. The founders had wrestled with the fact that religious diversity prevented a certain kind of unity. It was impossible to assert religious unity at the foundation of this country, and so they accepted a radical, revolutionary notion that political unity was possible without explicit religious unity, that a government could be secular in nature, and that it could do so without harming religion at all. This powerful decision, based on insight and experience, in effect established disestablishmentarianism at the heart of the American political system. Today, many people still fail to understand and claim this essential, basic separation between religious organization and political power as the source of health and vitality in the United States. To be sure, the words separation of church and state do not appear in the Constitution, but neither do the words religious liberty or right to a fair trial. These ideas are implicit in the text. Furthermore, separation of church and state does not mean separation of morality and laws. Morality is an ethical system concerning fundamental issues of right and wrong, and we need to have a basic public agreement about such things. The point of America is that people can be ethical, even moral, in government without sharing the same religious doctrines. 
We can establish our laws by developing morality based on shared universal principles. Of course, we won't agree on all things, and it's hard work to find that shared value, but we can find political and social unity without having to establish any religion. We can even embrace radical religious diversity and still find unity. We know this from experience. Many school teachers have been able to nurture morality and ethics in their students, create shared values and a sense of community amongst a class without any explicit use of religion to do so. Some religious people and even atheists will try to argue that the Constitution rendered unconstitutional all religious activity, that even the practice of prayer was banished from public places. But this is not true. Only government support or direction of such activities is unconstitutional. Only the control of government by religious institutions is unconstitutional. The use of state money to fund religious instruction is illegal. In fact, our Constitution, unlike the law in modern China, prevents the government as far as possible from restricting the free exercise of religion in public or in private places. Government cannot compel religious activity or contradict the free conscience of the individual, nor can it prevent nonviolent religious expression. And religion cannot gain political control over our government. No religious organization. The disestablishment of religion not only made government more accountable to moral standards and less corrupt, but it also helped empower religious practice. Mr. Gus Gostad notes in his book, Faith of Our Fathers, what was then called for was no longer social conformity or political coercion in the religious life. On the contrary, what was required was, uh, from religion was an ever-broadening river of voluntary, spontaneous activity. Freeing religion from dependency on government made ours one of the most religious, active, and creative nations in the world. In fact, a sort of religious laziness caused people to turn back to the strong, strong arm of government to support their doctrines. Unable to convince other human beings of the absolute divine source of their beliefs and rules, the absolute correctness of what they hold to, religious activists will often try to force their ideas upon others using the coercive power of law. James Luther Adams, one of the preeminent 20th century American theologians recalled that when religious leaders in his hometown found that their preaching could not convince the faithful that attending movies on Sundays afternoons were, was sinful, they quickly tried to establish civic laws to punish any who would disobey their religious orders. Likewise, current attempts to establish a religious definition of marriage in state constitutions is an example of unconstitutional misuse of government. A member of our congregation sent me a cartoon a few weeks back. In it, a clergyman standing next to a wedding cake with two men on top says, We're not opposed to all controversial unions. The two figures on the cake are wearing sashes, and one says church, and the other state. Of course, those who seek to establish liberalism by law must also not simply use 
civic laws to force it upon the conservatives. They must find a conservative religious ethic on which the principles of this nation can be upheld. We who want to preserve a constitutional separation of powers between state organizations and religious organizations must not be lazy. It's disappointing that we move not in a simple progression, shedding old fears and simplistic ideas of unity. It's frustration, frustrating that the most revolutionary American ideas is not universally accepted as inviolable, beyond challenge, obvious to all. The old fears and old methods of quieting fears will not work in this modern world. This world is even more diverse than the world at the founding of our nation. But those who try with fear and laziness to establish their religion with law must be opposed by those who hold a larger vision we must labor and struggle to help others catch that vision. Even today, frightened people try to establish religious faith by law. Texas Republican Party in 2002 pledged to do everything within its power to dispel the myth of separation of church and state, showing that they did not understand the nature of government. Because the foundation, the religious foundation of people, is not established by law. It's established in human hearts. A sense of dependence on God, on ultimate truth, or on a scripture does not come because someone forces you to do it. It arises out of your heart. And if it does not do so, out of your own heart and experience and conviction, then no laws will do it any good. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant week. <laughs>